Monday, July the 19th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, NSO Group in spyware misuse storm and America's wildfires grow. First, the world in brief. A huge data leak passed to 17 media outlets purported to show that spyware produced by NSO Group, an Israeli tech firm, has been used to snoop on scores of dissidents, human rights activists and journalists, including allegedly one from The Economist. Pegasus technology is marketed to government as a crime-combating tool. It allows authorities to listen into conversations using hacked mobile phones' microphones, as well as track other data. Among those allegedly targeted were associates of Jamal Khashoggi, who was murdered by the Saudi government in a rogue operation it says in 2018. NSO vigorously denies the allegations. The bootleg fire in Oregon grew to 1,210 square kilometres, the largest among 70 currently scorching America's west. Together they have burned at least 4,297 square kilometres, according to the National Interagency Fire Centre. The heat of bootleg is so intense that it is creating its own weather, including, quote, firestorm clouds which generate high winds and lightning strikes. OPEC and its allies at last came to an agreement on future oil production. A quick meeting on July 1st to agree on higher quotas turned into a two-week standoff between Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates. The latest compromise will see OPEC Plus pump an extra 400,000 barrels a day each month from August. Thai police used tear gas, rubber bullets and water cannons to disperse anti-government protesters holding a rally in Bangkok. Thousands had turned up to demonstrate against the regime's mismanagement of the pandemic in defiance of coronavirus restrictions limiting gatherings to just five people. Yesterday, Thailand reported 11,397 infections and 101 deaths over the previous 24 hours, the first time daily fatalities have exceeded 100. America's Surgeon General warned that more municipalities are likely to reimpose compulsory mask wearing in public places amid a surge in new COVID-19 cases. Los Angeles reintroduced its mask mandate over the weekend. The comments came as New York State reported more than 1,000 new infections in 24 hours for the first time since mid-May as the more contagious Delta variant takes hold. Armin Laschet, Angela Merkel's likely successor as Germany's Chancellor, apologised after being caught laughing during a visit to areas affected by severe floods in the west of the country. More than 180 have died in Belgium and Germany. Hundreds remain missing. Although the waters are receding in the worst-hit parts of Germany, fresh floods have hit Bavaria, as well as Austria and Switzerland. Britain's Prime Minister and Finance Minister began self-isolation after a government app pinged them after contact with someone who has tested positive for COVID-19. Boris Johnson and Rishi Sunak initially hoped not to self-isolate, but to join a pilot scheme that allows daily testing instead. Public opprobrium forced a speedy U-turn. And fact of the day. Two trillion dollars. The amount America spent on the war in Afghanistan. And now, here's today's agenda. A growing menace. America's threats from ransomware. Tomorrow, two committees in America's House of Representatives will hold hearings about the threat from ransomware. On Wednesday, a Senate committee will also hold a hearing on cybersecurity vulnerabilities in physical infrastructure. This follows several high-profile cyber attacks over the past few months. In May, cybercriminals shut down the Colonial Pipeline, which supplies almost half the American East Coast's petrol and diesel, 
demanding a ransom of $4.3 million. The previous December, a Russian government-linked hack compromised nine federal agencies. Unusually in American politics, taking action has bipartisan support, at least as far as its urgency is concerned. Several bills are in the works in the House and Senate. As Jim Langevin, a congressman, recently told the Council on Foreign Relations, a think tank, quote, we are far too late. Last week, the Senate at last confirmed Jen Easterly as head of the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency after eight leaderless months. She will have a lot of work to do. The End of the Road Withdrawing Economic Stimulus So far, the rich world has seen surprisingly little long-term damage to its economies from the unprecedented disruption of the past year. The number of companies that went bankrupt last year dropped sharply in most countries, while households have amassed huge amounts of, quote, excess savings. Whether this changes in the coming months as governments withdraw emergency support measures is the biggest question in economic policy. Loan moratoriums are expiring, furlough schemes are coming to an end, and there is little chance of another wave of huge stimulus checks. There is reason for optimism. In Australia, which got rid of its job retention scheme in March, unemployment has actually fallen. Households still have plenty of savings to spend. But no one really knows the scale of the debt problem facing firms. Deferred rent and utility bills, not to mention a swathe of emergency borrowing last year, must be repaid. Coup de grâce. COVID-19 engulfs Myanmar. Today is a public holiday commemorating the assassination of Myanmar's independence heroes. Burmese should be observing Martyrs Day by laying flowers at their statues. But this year, the public has been instructed to stay at home. The military junta, which has run Myanmar since launching a coup in February, is locking down the country for at least a week starting today. A third wave of COVID-19 is engulfing Myanmar. The country is reporting thousands of new cases a day, almost certainly an underestimate because of lack of testing. The population is highly vulnerable. Only 3% are fully vaccinated. Hospitals and clinics are full. Supplies of oxygen are running low. Military facilities are preparing to admit nearly 25,000 patients. But many people are wary of getting treatment from an organisation that has little regard for human life. Since February, the army has slain more than 900 citizens. Freedom Day? England loosens restrictions. Most COVID-19 restrictions in England will end today. Health policy is devolved in Britain, so Northern Ireland, Scotland and Wales move at a different pace. Capacity caps for bars and restaurants will be lifted, nightclubs will reopen, and face masks will no longer be required by law in public places. Tabloids have dubbed it, quote, Freedom Day. Conservative MPs, many of whom loathe the restrictions, are delighted. Many of the public are not. Polling suggests a majority of Britons would like to see many of the current restrictions continue. Little wonder, some 48,000 COVID-19 cases were reported in Britain on July 18th, the highest daily number since Britain was in the midst of a second wave in January. Imminent school holidays may soon stem the tide. In any case, this time deaths are far lower, with 25 recorded on July 18th, thanks to a vaccination campaign which, so far, has seen 88% of British adults receive one dose. Joy to the World The Royal Albert Hall's 150th Anniversary 
Thanks to the lifting of coronavirus restrictions in England, London's Royal Albert Hall will host its first full-capacity event since the country went into lockdown in March 2020. Today is an auspicious event, as it also marks the venue's 150th anniversary. A new piece of music written by David Arnold, which offers a quote snapshot of the hall's unique history, will be performed in celebration. The coincidence of the musical celebration and the controversial quote Freedom Day is oddly appropriate. The concert hall has long been a nexus for Britain's debates about itself. Suffragettes campaigning for women's voting rights met there in the early 20th century. In 2016 and subsequent years, pro-Brexit and anti-Brexit campaigners waved competing flags at the last night of the proms. Given rising COVID-19 cases, however, the prospect of more than 5,000 people in, quote, the nation's village hall will not be music to epidemiologists' ears. Summer Quiz Can you beat our baristas? Would you like to challenge our baristas in a test of general knowledge? A daily question will be posed here, Monday to Thursday. The first readers, one each from Asia, Europe slash Africa and the Americas, to email editor-espresso at economist.com with the correct answers and the theme linking them, will be named and celebrated on Friday. Include your home city and country. Monday. Which female singer was crowned, quote, global icon at the 2021 Brit Awards? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Edgar Degas who was born on this day in 1834. Truth is never ugly when one can find in it what one needs. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download the Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. Music.